Good morning. It's great to be here in worship this morning. Great to see you with us, and it's great to be able to stand before you again and share from God's Word. Um, as Pastor Seven has shared, that this is a uh, missions preparation message. And um, if you've been around here, you've probably heard much of what I am going to say today in various forms over the last 28 years or so. And I hope that it is familiar to you if you've been here, that it does ring a bell, that it does bring back, oh, I've heard that before. I hope that it becomes so familiar that it's just as familiar maybe as the Lord's Prayer. It's a part of what we are and who we are and how we think. This morning I'd like for us to ask this question. Can God make a difference through me? Can God really use me to make a difference in this world? Can he really use me to make a difference in, in what he is trying to accomplish in bringing the world to know about the gift of his son, Jesus Christ? Uh, on average, we Americans are very generous people. In 2017, we gave uh, around $410 billion, billion with a B, dollars, to charity. Now that would include everything, disaster relief, our local fire hall, churches, animals. I, I, I found a, a site that listed uh, 111 different charities just for animals, okay? Any kind of animal from, I don't know what, a kitty cat to a whale, you can give somewhere to help support that. Now, there's nothing wrong with all of these, uh, but very few of them have an, an eternal impact. They may be good, but there are very few that are really making a difference for all of eternity. And with the proliferation of things like GoFundMe, almost anybody can get into the action of, hey, give to this. Americans will give to almost anything. There is a, perhaps nothing that highlights this kind of what we call responsive generosity better than the guy by the name of Ron Chapman who was a DJ down in the Dallas market. And on a whim one day, he decided that he was just going to put this out there. And so, as he was talking over the radio, he said this, Get out your checkbooks right now. Write a check to Fun and Games. Make it an amount of $20 and mail it into the radio station. How would you respond if you heard that on the radio this week? Hmm? Well... 12,212 people decided, hey, I want to be a part of that, and wrote a check. And $244,240 came into the radio station. Now you may ask, what was the charity or the cause that he was promoting? Absolutely nothing. He never stated what the money was for. He never said what he was going to do with it. He just said, send it in. And 12,000 people did. 
Now this morning I want you to get out your checkbooks. <laughs> I want you to write $20 and send it to Bob Cross Fun and Games. All right? See how it works. What would happen if Christians were as spontaneously generous uh, when it comes to reaching the lost for Jesus Christ? As Pastor Seven said, uh, maybe especially for people that are new here, you have heard us each month uh, talking about this matter of missions faith promise offering that we receive every month. Maybe you've wondered what exactly are, are we talking about when we, we, we share that. This morning I just want to share with you what I've done, as I said many times over the last 28 years, uh, just the biblical basis for why we do as a church what we do. And missions is a part of the DNA of the Hyde Wesleyan Church. It is a part of who we are. It's how we think and, and how we, we, we believe God wants us to care for the lost and the world. Faith promise is, is not a gimmick that we just thought up and said, oh, let's do this. It's not even asking us as a congregation, how much do you have to give to missions this year? But it is asking this question. What will I, as a Christ follower, allow God to give through me to meet the, 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 the taking of the gospel to the nations of the world? What will I allow God to do through me to accomplish that? What we call faith promise is simply a plan that God has blessed in our church and many other churches around the world to provide the resources that are needed to take the good news to the lost. And for this pattern that we have set up, I believe is scriptural, and we're going to look at that this morning. One of the underpinnings of faith promise is that if everyone contributes, uh, we can do great things. Great things can be accomplished. And all we have to do is, is to just look at our penny march uh, of how, as a congregation, everybody puts in their dimes, nickels, pennies, whatever, and we're going on pushing now towards $100,000 of giving of change to make a difference in the lives of some orphans in Swaziland. The foundational scripture that we use to help us understand the principle here is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. And, and here the apostle Paul is holding up to the Corinthian church, uh, the churches in Macedonia, as an example uh, of how they should give and the attitudes that they, they should have. Uh, and he had been sharing uh, with the churches of Asia Minor, he had been sharing with them uh, about the needs of the, the people back in Jerusalem. The church back there was under intense persecution. They were falling on hard times. And the churches in Asia Minor said, how can we help? How can we help those uh, beyond uh, our, ourself? Uh, and as they responded with how they could help, the result was the very first missions offering that was given to those beyond themselves. Uh, and Paul then later took that back to Jerusalem. And so Paul is now challenging the church in Corinth to make good on a promise that they had made to assist the church in Jerusalem. A year earlier they had made this, yeah, we want to help. And Paul was saying, okay, let's, let's finish that. 
We're not going to read the whole of chapter 8 and 9, but we'll read some select um, verses from there. But I encourage you to read chapters 8 and 9 this week if you want, just to get the whole picture of what Paul was talking about. But let's start out by reading verses 1 through 5 of chapter 8. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, Paul says, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They have been tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. Let's look at this, what Paul was using to encourage the Corinthians. The first thing that Paul explains was the attitude of the Macedonian church to giving. He said they were being tested by many troubles, they were very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in generosity, so that they began to ask us, begged us, can we be a part of the answer of the needs of these people? This is their attitude that they had. It says they were filled with joy. Joy is the very essence of what it is to be a Christian. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is what he wants to fill us with. He wants to fill us with his joy that comes from his presence, his living within us. And, and, and he says that joy was so abundant that it was overflowing in generosity that they begged to participate. They didn't see this as an obligation. They didn't see this as their duty. They saw it as a response to what God had done in their hearts uh, and in their lives. Uh, great joy bubbled over. God desires that our giving be joyous, that it be generous, and that it comes from our heart. He said in another place there that I read that they, they, they did it out of their own free will. It was something God prompted in their heart to do. Next, Paul describes uh, the Macedonians uh, as, their, uh, as an example for the Corinthians on how to give. And he said, he described how the Macedonians did it. He said, they gave themselves. The first thing he said they did was to give themselves uh, to the Lord. And Paul said, it, it just kind of blew my mind. It blew me away. They did more than I could have ever hoped for. And, and they gave themselves before their resources. Let me just say this. Yes, God will use your resources, but he doesn't really need them. In the sense, God can still be God without your resources. But what God really wants is you. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants all that you are. He wants you to have relationship with, and out of that relationship, will come the generosity. It will, it will follow. The Macedonians went on to give even more. 
Throughout the passage, if you read 8 and 9, you will find that Paul mentions over and over the gift that they had given. Not only did they give themselves, but the gift that was going to be given, the, the thing that they were going to collect, to send uh, with the other churches to Jerusalem. Uh, and, and, and what the church came to understand was uh, that everything ultimately belongs to God. Everything, but he, the, the old song, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. It all belongs to God. God created it. And, and, and he gives to us, he entrusts to us stewardship uh, of a portion of that. And, and with it comes responsibility. So I am just a steward that is going to give an account to God of everything that he has entrusted me with. And this is what these first century Christians began to understand as they caught this giving fever, if you say, this, this, this joy of being able to assist those that couldn't help themselves. And this, if you could say, fever had three symptoms. Paul said that they gave sacrificially. He said, these weren't wealthy people now over in Macedonia, you Corinthians. They, they weren't a bunch of, uh, of elites that could just get their checkbook out and say, Paul, how much do you need? And I'll write a check. We know people like that, maybe, uh, you know, uh, somebody that could just write a check for it. But he said, no, these were people that were going through some very deep, troubling times. They were being persecuted. Many of them had lost their jobs because of their Christian faith. And now they were also, he said, very poor. These were not the rich of society. He said they were very troubled times they were living in, and they were very poor. But they refused to allow their needs, their wants, to get in the way of being blessed by God through their giving to help others. I know each year as we, we face this question, what does God want to give through me? There is no doubt things that run through our mind. Excuses of, well, can I this year? Should I? Can I increase? Do I give it all? Those questions, what are the excuses, just for your own mind playback, what are the excuses that I may present as reasons why I can't? Paul said they were under severe circumstances and very poor, but they said, God, give through me to meet this need. C.S. Lewis, the great writer of uh, a lot of Christian books and the Chronicles of Narnia, if you ever seen those stories, watched them, read them, he said this about giving, and probably there's a lot more in it than we can get in just being up there on the screen for a second, but let it soak in. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditures on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same activity, income as our own, we're probably not giving, we probably are giving away too little. If our giving does not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say it is too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot because our commitment to giving excludes them. Basically what he's saying here, if we're living 
up to the standard of our income based upon others in the world around us. He said, we're probably not doing enough. If we're not sacrificing something for the cause of Christ, he said, we're probably not doing enough. Americans, as I said, are generous, but for the most part, we don't give sacrificially. We give uh, out of what Paul says next, what we can afford. He said there that I testify that they gave what they could afford. They gave, with, and, and that's not wrong, that's not bad. That's where our tithe and our offerings come up. We look at our checkbook and we say, okay, this is what I can, af- this is what I can afford. A percentage uh, maybe of, of our income goes to the, to the Lord's work. And, and that's, that's reasonable. That's what God calls us to, challenges us to do, is to give out of what God has given to us. Uh, and they did. So we would say giving what we can afford is giving out of our, our known uh, income. Uh, we know that this is how much we make and we can give this amount. Um, but then he said of them, not only did they give what they could afford, uh, but far more. But far more. Another translation puts it this way. They gave beyond their means. Now what you say, they gave what they didn't have. Did they... Sh- Is that saying that I should go out and get a loan and give it to the church? Should I max out my credit card and and, and give that? It's what I, you know, Americans are good at spending what they don't have. And is that a translate over? No, that's not what he's talking about. Goes against scripture. But what it is talking about is this. That they promise to give from what they don't have is, is an act of faith. It's saying God... With your help, you are telling me this is what you want to give through me. So I don't know exactly where, how I'm going to get it, receive it, earn it, whatever. But you're telling me that you want to do this through me. And I'm going to, in faith, believe that God is going to do that for, through me. So that's the faith part of it. Willing to stretch uh, our faith. Now Paul said these Macedonians and the Corinthians made a commitment a year earlier. He said last year you wanted uh, to be a part. You wanted to give. uh, And you were, he said, the first to do it. Uh, Clearly here is the beginning. We see the fleshing out of this principle of faith and a promise. They had promised a year ago that within this year they were going to have this offering to send to the church uh, at Jerusalem. And they were doing even more than they could afford, so there was this faith aspect of it. Paul goes on to remind them of the harvest principle. In verse 6 of chapter 9 he says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And he fleshes it out a few verses later when he says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same, he will provide. God, this is the faith. God will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of lots and lots of money. Is that what he said? No, he would produce a harvest of generosity in us. In other words, God said, if you will have faith, God will do something in your heart that you will be able to believe him to be generous through you. He said, I will enrich you in every way. 
And, and here's where we Americans many times uh, don't get it. He said, I will enrich you in every way. We stop right there. We like that. God's going to enrich us if we will step out. But he said, I will enrich you in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. God does not give us just so we can have more. He has not blessed America just so we could be the richest nation in all of history. What if you were invited to someone's house to eat and they begin to pass the food around the table and they give it to you first? There's a nice platter of steaks. And as you get the plate, you say, man, I like that steak. And you know what? I need some stuff for my lunch this week. So I'll just take a couple more. And you know what? Maybe we could have a picnic and there's a couple more. And all of a sudden you pass on the plate and it's empty to the next person. And do that with the potatoes. and what, Yeah, I, I'll just keep it for myself. No, you were given it to get and then to be able to share with the next person. God has blessed America beyond, you can't, I, most of us, if we have not been out of the country, cannot e begin to, to imagine how God has blessed us, what he has given to us. And he didn't just give it to us so we can enrich ourselves and have a softer life and more things we can do and enjoy. He gave it to us, yes, so we can enjoy life, but that we can bless the world so that we can take the gospel to the world. When God gives us blessing, or when we, when we, put it this way, when we give to God, we are not making God richer. Okay? We're not making him richer. In, our, in the act of giving, God has put that principle into the relationship between God and his people as a way to help us to grow spiritually. Generosity is one of the key, uh, the key elements of maturity in a Christian's life. That the more God fills me, the more generous I'm going to be. The more I'm going to look and see needs that God can help meet through me. So Paul says, God wants to put within you that which is reproduced over and over for the blessing of God others. And then the underlying purpose of giving. Paul said in verse 13 of chapter 9, as a result of your ministry, this is what they were about to do, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. If you read the passage 8 and 9, you will find out over and over God talks about their giving, bringing honor, bringing glory, bringing praise, bringing thanksgiving to God. Out of their obedience, out of their generosity, God is lifted up and glorified and praised and thanksgiving is given to God. Our sacrificial giving brings attention, hopefully not just to us, but to God. That God gets the glory. And when we really step out in faith, uh, we are very quick to say, this is only because of God. I didn't have it, but God gave it through me. Uh, well, when we do give, 
when we are obedient, it will also challenge others to trust God. I've shared this with you, but I, I'll share it again and again and again. Over the years, God has helped us as a church to be generous, to give, and to bless the world through our missions giving. And one of the things that we have done in our giving is that it has multiplied in the sense that I, you know, travel around the denomination and speak with other pastors on our district. And I've had many, many people come up to me and say, Bob, if Hyde can do it, do you think we can do it? And yes, you can. And then to watch their story as God begins to, through the inspiration of your generosity, to say, yeah, we could do that too. And the church is getting involved in their own faith promise giving. Churches, I don't know how many churches, are doing this penny march that started here at Hyde Wesleyan. And so what you have done in your obedience, God has used it to multiply over and over. And so my call to you is let us keep doing that God would get glory out of it uh, as others are inspired. Paul said that this kind of generosity also proves uh, that we are obedient to the good news. He's saying that generosity is a, 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 a uh, reflects uh, that God is working in your heart, that God is doing something in your heart. One of these days, we're going to stand before Almighty God and God's going to take a look at our life. He's going to, fly, he's going to flip through, through our bank statement. He's going to see exactly how we lived our life, what our priorities were, how we lived, what we gave. What will he see there in my giving pattern? Will it truly reflect that I've been obedient to the good news that God has given me and which I received? And then finally, God's promise. He said, and God will generously provide all you need. This is God's promise, if you'll be obedient. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Sometimes we stop right there. You'll have, God will give you all you need and plenty left over. And we look at our lives and say, boy, thank you, God, for all this left over. But he said, I'll give you plenty left over so that you can be generous with others, so that you can help others uh, that have need. Moses told the children of Israel back in Deuteronomy, he told them as they were getting ready to possess the land and the blessings that God is, was going to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said this, When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is a time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God. Faith promise is designed to be sacrificial as much as you are able and it's designed to be faith stretching that we would begin to see beyond our ability and begin to see what God might be able to do through us every year I've asked you to do one thing as I've said in regard to faith promise and that is that you will ask God what do you want to give through me and all we've ever asked is this, 
that you'll just wrestle with that question with God. Whatever he says to you is between you and him. If he says, stay the same as you gave last year, if he says, give less than you gave last year, if he says, give more, all we say is, will you have a conversation with God that says, God, what do you want to do through me to help the world beyond our re local responsibility? How, how do you want us to help reach the world for Jesus Christ? Uh, it's not a question, again, of how much I can afford, but how much will I trust God to give through me? As we said, our goal this year is, again, 100000 And if you've been around, it's been 100000 for several years. And the reason why it's still staying at 100000 and not increasing is we've made a commitment to 100000 about every year, right around there. But we've been short of that coming in. And so there's no use making it higher and higher if we're not going to hit that in our actual giving. So it's just a, a uh, 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 I guess, could say, as Paul said, he told the Corinthians, he said, Paul said, here's my advice. It was good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. So what he's just basically saying, okay, you made a commitment and you're excited about that. The year's coming by, will you finish what you started? And that's what I say to you, say to myself, God help us that we will be faithful in actually falling through. Churchgoers in America, that's all denominations across the board, give an average of $39 a person to missions. $39 a person to missions. You can almost get any category of giving within our budget, of which we spend more than $39 a year for it. There's not many things that, you know, $30, $40 was all you spent in your whole year for that. And yet that's what we have said as a North American church, that that's enough to take the gospel to the world. That's enough to send missionaries. That should do it. This sign here, I've used this before too, but you know what that is. If you see it, you know there's a brown, syrupy, sugary drink somewhere close by. 96% of the people on this planet, if they see that, know exactly what it is and know that they can get some sugary, syrupy drink right away. Think about that. 96% of all the population in every country, in every third world nation, in every backwater town and village, they know what that is. Everywhere I've been in the world, I've seen them and could get one. We've done a good job as Americans in letting the world know that they need a Coke. They deserve a Coke. But if we would show the world this picture, 2.4 billion people on the face of this planet, 
if you showed them that, would not know what it's about. They wouldn't know the story. They wouldn't know that God loved them enough to give His only begotten Son, that they could have salvation, that they could be free from their sins, that they could have the hope of eternal life. They could have what we're celebrating every Sunday morning, that they could have that hope. Americans have done good at letting the world know of all of our products, but we have also been entrusted with the greatest story ever told. And we still have a job to do to get that out there. What would happen if we would give sacrificially? If we would give beyond our ability? The average immigrant into our country, for the most part, live at probably the lowest economic level of of society. They're, they're down there working it out. And yet, the average that an immigrant sends back to their family in their home country is $2,538 a year. On average, they said, I care about my family back home and I'm going to send them some of what I have. $2,538. We spend $39 a year per Christian in sending the gospel back there. If, if we would be sacrificial to the level of immigrants sending to their family, we would then, the number wouldn't be $6 billion a year, it would be $397 billion that we would say, take the gospel. Send those that will go. Let's reach the world for Jesus Christ. A preacher was sharing that statistic with his local church, and some lady in the congregation said, yeah, but those immigrants only do that because they really care about the people back home. Exactly. For God so loved the world that he gave, and he calls us. Let the mind that is in Christ be in us. Your giving does make a difference. It's made a difference in many people's lives already, and who knows who God wants us to touch in the future. I think of Raul Dioli. He was one of the first students that we met when we started going to Swaziland and to the Emmanuel Wesleyan Bible College, EWBC. And Raul has since gone home to his country of Mozambique, and gone to the northern part of Mozambique where there weren't hardly any churches. And since that time to now, he has planted around 80 churches. He's planted around 80 churches. There are now over 80 congregations in northern Mozambique because you and I helped make Emmanuel Wesleyan Bible College possible where he came and learned that God wanted him to take the gospel. I think of Mohammed Saeed, another student of EWBC, and the, what God has been doing in this young man's heart and how he has been a part of strategically planting churches in Southern Africa. And God is using him in a mighty way, not only in that, but also in a Bible, one of our Bible colleges in Mozambique. Think of Begi Masinchua. Begi is another graduate of EWBC. 
And he has, he has planted a number of churches. And he has also just recently started an orphanage back in his home area. God is using him. Again, because we were faithful in providing a way that they could come and learn and know what God wanted to do through them. I think of Richard Cox, who has stood on this platform. He was once one of our uh, assistant pastors. And God has called him to go and plant. And he has planted a church over in Altoona, Overflow, that we pray for regularly. And, and he has, God has, God has put something in his heart that, that just kind of blows my mind uh, of what God is doing with him. Altoona used to be a city that was, had a lot of churches, but no one seemed to get along. It was a town where Billy Graham went and was going to hold one of his first crusades. And there was so much dysfunction within the churches of Altoona that Billy Graham almost made the decision not to hold any more crusades. And yet Richard is gone and he is, he is, God has stirred something in his heart that's overflowing into the other churches. And now every Sunday morning, there are some 35 or more pastors and leaders that meet together every Sunday morning to pray over the churches of Altoona. The mayor of Altoona goes to their church and, and has said, we want to have a prayer breakfast like they, they do in Washington, D.C. And so Richard's in charge of a prayer breakfast. Richard has a, a, a dream that, that uh, uh, in, in, by 2025 that there will be at least 10 new churches planted out of, out of overflow. And he's already tapped and seen who those leaders might be and is in the process of training them so that they will plant. You've had a part in that. You loved Richard and helped him as he came here as a young guy out of college and helped him to be able to dream and you loved him and you supported him and we sent him out. And we continue to support that ministry. I think of Pastor Luke in the country that I won't name but which Pastor Stephen prayed for just a few moments ago. Pastor Luke is one of the pastors in the other ground church of that country. And he risks serving his people knowing that there are repercussions. There are possibility of persecution. And yet he continues. We have missionaries there that have helped him and encouraged him. And I get to have the wonderful privilege of each month through Skype mentoring Luke and sharing what God is doing in his church and how can I do this better and will this work and what do you do in this situation? And because of your giving, he is there on the front lines. And we could go on and on with the stories of people that have been impacted by our giving. And only eternity will tell the full story. But because of our generosity, God is working. And he is working in us. We are better people because of what God is doing through us. We serve our community here better because God has given us a vision for the world. And I challenge you that we don't want to lose that. We don't want to give that up. We don't want to let it slip out of our hands. Remember, we are stewards 
of all God has entrusted to us. And as wise managers, it's good to check in with the boss as to what he wants. There was a boss of a company and his two associates that were on their way back from lunch when they came across an old lamp. And one of them stopped and picked it up and in the process rubbed it and all of a sudden a genie popped out and was so thankful to be released from that lamp that he said, I'll give each of you a wish. And the first associate said right away, she said, I, I want to live on a beach in Jamaica with a sailboat and enough money to be happy for the rest of my life. And poof, she was gone. And the other associate said, I want to be happily married to a wealthy supermodel and have a penthouse in New York City and in Paris and Hong Kong. And poof, he was gone. And the genie turned to the boss and he says, how about you? What do you want? He says, I want those two knuckleheads back at their desk by 2 o'clock. <laughs> the moral of the story is, always let the boss speak first. <laughs> when was the last time you checked with the boss about your giving? About what he wants to do through you? Will you pray? Will you pray with me in your bulletin? We had one of these, and if, you, if this is your first time with this, this time of the year, it's just a, a sheet that's perforated, and we ask you to pray over it. We've asked you to pray for 40 days between the time we will receive these at the end of the month, and we, we've just said, will you just ask God what you want to give through me? If you take a good look at that, if you've never seen one of ours before, you'll see there's no place for you to sign your name. There's no arm twisting here. There's no follow-up and say, hey, where are you? It's between you and God. I think we can't get any more honest and simpler than that. To say, you have a conversation with God, and whatever He tells you, you do it. And it's between you and God. There's also in there a thing that I do every year and I've changed it a little bit this year. But just says, here's how God's blessed us as Americans. Here's what we do with our money, some of it. And as you look at it thinking what God wants to do through us, maybe there's more that he wants to do. One of the things that stand out to me on this paper is Gallup polling says that the average American spends $101 a day. Just think about that. $101 a day. Now that's for all expenses. That's for your house and your food and your clothes and your car and your coffee at Sheets and, you know, the extra little things we buy. Everything. $101 a year, uh, a day. Some of us spend way more than that to make that average. That seems like a lot of money, and you say, wow. But when you, if you go home and put that down on paper, multiply it out, you'll say, okay, that makes sense. I showed you some pastors in Mozambique. Do you know what the average pastor in Mozambique makes? $10 a month. You say, oh, but things are so much cheaper over there. 
I've been over there in that part of the world and it, I, I, I'm staggered by the price of things and knowing what people make. Many of them go without. I think of... We all know Menzi. Most of us know Menzi. Menzi's mom came to Dorcas's house the other day and said, Dorcas, could you just help us? We haven't eaten in a week. Okay? People that we know. <laughs> and they live, I would say, in even a more prosperous place than Mozambique. God has entrusted to us a lot. We're going to give an account of it, whether we realize it or not, we will. Will we be able to say, God, you have provided all my needs and gave me a surplus so that I could share, so that I could be your hands and feet that reaches this world for Jesus Christ. God, I want you to give through me that the world may know that you sent your son Jesus Christ and that you died for them just like you died for me. I want to be a part of the good news. Will you stand with me? Father God, you have blessed us bountifully. We don't deserve it. Just because we're Americans, we don't deserve it. Lord, you love the people of Mozambique and Swaziland and Haiti and China just as much as you love us. And you have blessed us, you have passed the plate to us, and you say, take what you need and then pass it on and share. Help us to be faithful to your heart, the heart that gave your only begotten Son, that the world may have salvation. Help us to give generously and cheerfully that the world may know what you gave. Lord, over these next couple of weeks, as we hear others come and share with us about some of the things that our giving has been involved in and produced, I just pray you would continue to challenge our hearts. Help us every time that we pray, every time we bow our heads, that that sentence will flow through our mind. God, what do you want to give through me? And that in our hearts we will hear your voice and we'll be obedient. God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.